Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. It's a time again for the monthly missions news. This is when I try and give you an update regarding all that took place the previous month. So we're well into um, October. It is the third as of my time of recording this. And um, I'm going to talk to you about what took place in the month of September, at least at least some highlights, whether they be negative or positive. And just try to give you some insight into how things work here in Uganda and tell you what's going on with our ministry and how things are moving along or not moving along, whatever the case may be. And I, I try and open the prayer letter. Uh, uh, th- this video was based upon what is written in the prayer letter. So if you'd like to see the prayer letter, you can go to our website at plenteousredemption.com. And uh, I also post links to these things on Sermon Audio. Uh, if you go to Plenteous Redemption Podcast on Sermon Audio, you can find it there as well. I hope it'll be a blessing and a help to you. So uh, our introductory verse comes from James chapter 4 verses 13 through 15. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live to do this or that. Um, Very sobering words. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what, what's going to happen today. The rest of the day. I mean, you might know what's happening in the moment. And even that we have very little clear knowledge of at times. Uh, So, with that in mind, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the, for the rest of the prayer letter. You know, my, with my introductory remarks, I try and encourage God's people in some way uh, with, with trying to think through some idea briefly in a paragraph or two. And so um, as for the introduction, these are my introductory words before we get into the actual events that took place this month. Before informing you of the work of the Lord here in Uganda, I desire to encourage you in some way regarding Jesus Christ and the Word of God. We cannot be reawakened enough. 
reminded steadfastly to press toward the mark. Our service to Christ is nothing more than reasonable, especially considering our insensible and relentless trek towards eternity. The vaporous passing of life should be spent in dutiful service to Christ before evaporation arrives. And yet the evaporative nature of life is evident as we look back on the years and wonder where it all went. Time passes quickly. We should be full to the fill of our fear and loathing of this present evil world and well-tempered by our refuge in the Lord. Time is a twofold judge, delivering both the reward and consequence of our choices. Time is also a dominant measure of life's landmarks and accomplishments. And uh, all very sobering words. Time is ruthless. It waits for no one. It backs up for no one. Time, as long as we live in time, it's clicking away as we go. And there's no way to stop it. And so with this idea of time and, and, and the fact that our life is, it is even a vapor. With these things in mind, some, some events took place in September that, that we'd like to talk about. For example, number one is September 1st, my wife and I celebrated our eight-year wedding anniversary. And uh, I love my wife. I thank God for my wife. And uh, speaking of time, time spent with her is, is a joy. It's a, it's a, uh, she, she is so good to me. I, you know, this is two months in a row I've had opportunity to just brag about my wife and tell people how wonderful my wife is. And um, you might get tired of hearing it, but I don't get tired of telling about how wonderful she is. Um, I, I often admonish guys to be very careful who you choose to marry. It, it has devastating consequences. So it, it's essential that you choose uh, carefully. It, it, sometimes it's hard to do pre-marriage. You know, how do you know how she's going to live or act or, or whether she'll trust you and follow your leadership or is she going to be a rebellious and contentious woman? You just, you don't know. You don't know for certain, but there are plenty of signs you can look for before you get married. Does she honor her father? Does she listen to her mother? Does she attend church faithfully? Does she love the word of God? Is she involved in ministries? You've got to get past the infatuation and look at the, look at the situation objectively. Um, when you can objectively determine this is the man or the woman that, that you should give, give your infatuation to, well, then press on. <laughs> But if you haven't taken that objective uh, measure and made certain this person is worth your time and effort and, and, um, and make sure you're someone who's worth someone's time and effort. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I got the better end of the deal in that situation. My wife maybe should have done some better due diligence, but, uh, but I, I'm happy that I made out so well. So uh, my wife is just, she's a blessing. She works hard. She takes wonderful care of our children, um, our home. I, my life is just enriched by the presence of my wife. And so I praise God for it. And so continuing with time as the theme, we want to talk about our translation laptops. Um, I purchased a few laptops here in country a while back in preparation for start on the translation work. And, uh, they, they, they were old computers, uh, computers, uh, you know, especially laptops. I'm not sure about desktops, but laptops in Uganda are 
ridiculously expensive. I mean, they, they, you'll pay two or three times the cost for them in country. And uh, they have all sorts of excuses and reasons as to why that is. Nothing else I, that I have found uh, bears the markup that laptops do in country. And I don't, I don't know why, you know, people are obviously buying them or they, they wouldn't get away with it. But um, to buy a laptop here in country, <laughs> it, it can be very costly. And um, we weren't looking for powerhouse machines, but I did want something of decent quality that will last because this is translation work, We're working on them translating the word of God. They, they don't need, you know, two, $3,000 machines, but that I, I did want them to have something that was going to be of, of decent quality. And so I, I bought a couple of older uh, Dell Latitude laptops and um, they were just too old. They were, they were not going to stand up to the test of time. And so what I ended up doing was looking back in the States, I, I was able to find uh, two 2018 MacBook Air laptops that had i5 processors, 16 gigs of RAM, one terabyte hard drive. Um, that, that's perfect for what we're trying to, the work we're trying to do. And so I was able to get those for, in, in the States, I was able to buy two of those, ship them here to Uganda. They were about $450 a piece which is a great price. I mean, they're, they're still in excellent condition. They, they, they're working great. We have them here now, but I I don't recall when I ordered them, but typically there's a, there's a shipping company we use in Uganda, uh, owned and operated. I mean, this doesn't, I guess it's just an interesting note. I guess it doesn't really mean anything, but it's owned and operated by Israelis. And, um, what they do is they set up a, a drop point, in the U.S., in the U.K., and in Dubai. And from Uganda, you can order whatever you need uh, from, that will ship through the mail from any of those lo- those countries and have it shipped to their local drop point. So if you order something from eBay or Amazon, oftentimes the shipment shipping is free. So you can ship it to that U.S. location, and then they will pick it up and bring it here um, at, at a decent price and typically working with them if I order something from the U.S., it's usually here in about one month, sometimes three weeks, usually right around one month, which is great. If you order something and ship it through the Uganda mail service, if you see it, there's a good chance you'll never see it. We had, we've had we had churches in the U.S. before we got a hold of this, this shipping service. Uh, they sent us packages. We've never seen them. They, they never made it. If they did make it, it was three or six months later. You know, uh, some of those people, you know, one or two churches uh, wanted to buy clothes for Bethany. And so my, my daughter, and so they, they bought clothes for her, had it uh, shipped it here through the Uganda mail service. And um, we never saw them. And, and one church, we did, we did finally get the package, but it was so, it was, it was about six months later and she had already grown out of the clothes and, and never got to use them. So it's just some of the things you deal with in a third world country. Uh, that the incompetence has no no end, um, but using this mail service, we've been able to get things in a timely manner, and they come safely. and And it costs about the same as it would cost uh, to ship a, a package through the regular mail service that would come through the Uganda mail service. So, so the price is is comparable. It's not there's not a big difference in the price, but it comes safely. I've never had anything come broken, and it usually comes in within about a month. Well. Not this time. Um, this time, there was a series of events that took place 
First, the shipping service had some trouble in the U.S. Um, they had to move locations in the U.S., and that caused about a two-week delay leaving the U.S. Then once they left the U.S., it made its way to Uganda, and once it arrived in Entebbe at the Uganda airport, the customs personnel were on strike. They were on strike for at least one week. I, I, maybe it was longer, maybe it was shorter, but it was about one week. When they came back to work, now, mind you, they have been on strike, all right? That, that means that they were not happy with the way they are being treated or being paid or whatever the case may be. Um, and here, there's a good chance they haven't been paid in months at all. It's just how things go here. I mean, I, I don't know what their grief was. I'm, I'm surmising to some extent. And, uh, and so they, they were on strike. They came back and the government that they were on strike against implemented a new law when they came back to work. And that new law involved secondhand laptops. <laughs> and, uh, I guess several people, including myself had ordered secondhand laptops. And then you had this new law that deals with incoming secondhand laptops. Um, according to the information we got, they were going to, they are, or did, or, or we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, um, the new law banned shipping in secondhand laptops into Uganda, which is just ridiculous. But that, that's what what they did apparently. And so, um, someone other than us had ordered twenty one laptops, all all used laptops. That you know, it's probably an NGO or something in the country that are using those laptops for for whatever their their work is in the country. And so, um. So the URA held up everyone's packages, everyone who had shipped anything in through, through by to Africa. And I, and I, I would suppose it was probably countrywide. It probably wasn't just targeting the one shipping company, but, um, they held everything up for three or four weeks. So it came, came two weeks late, sat in Kampala for three or four weeks further. And so it takes about a month to get here. Now you add about a month, more than a month to that standard time. And we're, I mean, we're, we're trying to make do with these laptops that we had and they're just a pain in the neck. They, you know, they were not functioning as well as we like. And, um, we began taking them apart and found out that whoever we bought them from had removed parts from inside and, uh, you know, hard drives were there, but they were not fastened down with the brackets that come with it. They had removed those and didn't put them back. And so the hard drive is bouncing around inside the laptop and that caused all sorts of intermittent issues and problems. And so we tried to find some way to stabilize them and just keep them working until the new laptops could come. And praise the Lord, we did. They, they were working fine until, you know, till the new laptops got here. But uh, the new laptops, once they got here, it allowed us to, to establish a, you know, one of the benefits of using an Apple computer is that they communicate very well amongst each other. So I'm able to, um, to easily back up their information and, and communicate with them. And, and, um, and so since we've gotten the new laptops, things have been working great. They, they've been going very well. Um, the guys feel like they got an upgrade because the computers we're using were probably from 2010, and they upgraded to a 2018 laptop and they feel like they, <laughs> they feel like they were handed a, a Porsche in exchange for a Pinto. So, um, so praise the Lord. It's going very well. The translators are hard at work. It is very hard work. Please pray for them. 
uh, I believe individually they're up to about chapter 35, 36, 37, somewhere around there in Genesis, uh, chapter 37, um, is what I have here in my notes. And so, um, we're running into lots of issues, lots of problems. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's a difficult task. Um, not, not undoable. It's just difficult. And we want to take the time to, to do it right. For instance, one of the problems we're running into is, um, one verse in the Bible mentions, um, decrees, laws, ordinances, commands, um, uh, uh, there, there's another word that I'm I'm leaving out, but anyways, just just those those words alone. There are two words that are that that could be used to be translated to all five of the types of words that are mentioned in one verse. That's a big problem. We only have two words that need to be spread across five different words, and so uh, these are things we got to find solutions to and figure out. Please pray for them. They're doing a great job. You know, it's it's this is complex work, and uh, Brother Gross is just faithful. I mean, that he is dedicated to this task. He's working hard, and he's he's getting it done. And I am thankful to have him working on it and doing what he's doing. Um, Gross and Michael come together. They're they're at about chapter, I believe, around chapter eighteen collectively, where they come together and they compare their notes and they make one unified copy that basically is our first draft. And so I'm hoping in the next few weeks to begin um, the second level of review. Once we get to about chapter 20 to 25 uh, collectively, then I'm going to start having um, the, the next level of review come in and, and look at what we've done so far. And um, once they're done, it'll go to a third level of review. And that third level review should be our final, though uh, I am going to send it to another church, a, a sister church in Kampala. Uh, that is closely related to us. It, we didn't start the church. It's uh, the, the the missionary in there is James Pridgen, uh, but he's a, he's aware. He's like minded, aware of the issues with the Luganda Bible. So I'm going to send it to him and have some men from his church read it together and um, and see how it works, see how it flows, see if they have any suggestions that are worth looking at, and um, uh, that will probably be ultimately our final final copy once that comes back. So please pray for the translators. Next, we have street preaching in Matete. Um, a few months back, a group of us went uh, over to Matete, a, another uh, a trading center, about uh, probably about an hour, hour or so from here. And um, there's a man there. His name is Pastor Kakoza Bani. And um, he is just a humble man. This guy went out. He wanted to start a church in this, this, this trading center so badly that he moved out and was living in a field with his wife and children in this, I don't even know what you would call it. It's not a hut. It was about waist high. Um, it was maybe about four feet in diameter. It was a little thatch hut that was about, about waist high, maybe three or four feet high and about three or four feet in diameter. And he and his whole family would crawl in this thing. And that's where they slept at night. And he's doing that for no other reason other than to start a church in Matete. That's it. That's impressive. That's a blessing. Uh, so we went over to help him, and and our purpose was to take our street preaching to his trading center. And uh, when I got there, they had set up speakers in town, and the whole town became my congregation for the day. I, I myself and a translator preached for about five hours and forty five minutes that day. It was it was great. It was exciting. Uh, several people got saved. I forget the number, but what was so encouraging 
this month is we heard testimony, long-term testimony. Okay. That day, several people got saved. Uh, I want to say it was 11 or more people who trusted in the Lord. And, and, um, it was a great day. It was a great event, great time. Uh, it was w- very exciting. But since then, uh, about six families that came from our, our, our ministering to that town that day have been attending the church. Some of them have gotten saved and baptized. And uh, according to the reports, this fam- these families are coming faithfully every Sunday and every Wednesday. Now you imagine a man like that who has this little church plant that's just getting started, barely getting going, barely getting off the ground. And, and he, he has all of a sudden, after one event like that, he has six families now attending that were not attending previously. Man, that is that is a blessing. That it, it greatly encourages me. And um, I had I had made mention in a previous a uh, couple of previous um, prayer letters that I, it was my hope to take the street preaching on the road in in this manner, the way we did for this church plant. I want to do that for 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 others that Brother Keith Keith Stensis, a missionary we're working with. Um, he's got several churches he's working with. Some of them are new church plants. Some of them have been there long term, but all of them have been taught about how to, how to take the gospel publicly. And, um, we want to go help them establish that and get that going. So I, 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 my plan was to get a budget together because there's some things we're going to need, um, to really do it effectively. But after hearing this, I just, I don't feel like we have the time to wait for, for these things to come together. We're just gonna have to make do with what we have. And uh, Lord willing, you know, figure it out as we go. And uh, if the Lord wants us to continue it, I have no doubt the Lord will provide. And so I, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. So um, rather than waiting, I'm going to set a hard date. I haven't done that yet. I'm going to sit down and uh, we've got several things coming up. Um, uh, you know, we got visitors coming in December. Pastor uh, David Brown will be here. We, we've got Immediately at the beginning of January, we have um, a, a TBI, and then we go straight into um, our BIMU conference. BIMU is our NGO here in Uganda. Um, they they help us to stay here legally and long term, and and so uh, every year we have a a business meeting for the NGO, but we we turn it into uh, the, you know the the men who run it have turned it into basically a Bible conference, which is a blessing. It's exciting. Uh, so we have all these things coming up. So I, I do have to plan it carefully and we're, and we're only going to go out once a month. So this is something I can get started and not, and it's not going to be too invasive, but I want to do it right. I want to be a help and a blessing to these churches. So pray about this as we get it up and going and get things running and, um, try to do it in such a way that will help these people. If we can get more testimonies like that, well, that's tremendous. That is exciting. And, uh, so praise the Lord. We, we want to get that going and get it started and be faithful to it. Next on the list is um, in September. This is the first time really that this has happened. Bethany, my daughter, will be two years old in two days. Today is October 3rd that I'm recording this. And uh, so by October 5th, she will be two years old officially. It's hard to imagine she's not two years old yet. She is unbelievably intelligent. She learns quickly she knows so much. She's so much fun to have around. She's, she's such an exciting child. But in September, she developed a terrible cough that we were struggling to get rid of. 
And at first, I wasn't too concerned about it. Of course, Kristen was a little more concerned, but um, you know, I, I had hoped it would be something that would just pass. But she began to cough and could not recover her breath after coughing. That became more concerning. <laughs> uh, you know, she she has had a what's called a child breathing incident. I, that's that's not the proper term or or the the way that it is said, but that's that's the idea where. In the past, she had this incident where she um, she bumped her head and she was crying and she cried so hard that she didn't recover her breath and she literally passed out. And you talk about scary. That is not something we wanted to want to experience on a regular basis. And um, and she has this habit when she cries, she'll cry for so long and so hard that she'll hold her breath for an extended period. And we have to, you know, yell at her you know, to breathe <laughs> before she passes out again. And, uh, and it doesn't happen that often. I don't want to make this sound like it's a, a continuous thing, but it happens often enough that we have to, we have to watch her, but she, she developed this cough and she was coughing so hard that, and so long that she was not recovering her breath. So it, it, it became somewhat nerve wracking. So we immediately that day, my wife was so nervous that, uh, we packed up and and went to Kampala and uh, went to see a doctor there. And the doctor did a great job. He he handled Bethany very well. It's not we don't not so, it's not something we're excited about having our daughter having to sit and have you know um, medical professionals can be rough. And uh, I just don't want my daughter having to deal with that unnecessarily. Uh, but this was something serious enough that we needed to take her and and have her examined and. Um, she had no other symptoms. That's the, the odd thing. And so the doctor said that she was, as far as he could tell, she was in perfect health. Everything was good. Um, the, the cough was obvious. He, she did cough while, while, while there. And so he gave us a cough suppressant and then he gave us an allergy medicine just in case it was allergic, you know, uh, related to allergies. And so we, we, we gave her the allergy medicine and the cough medicine as prescribed for the first two or three or four days. And uh, it became clear it was not not allergic. It was not an allergy-related cough. So we stopped giving her the allergy medica- medication and uh, continued to give her the cough suppressant. And as long as she took the cough suppressant, she did well. But we added to that um, a, a, a healthy dose of hot water with lemon and honey. And um, we noticed that if she had the water, lemon, and honey, that the cough really was non-existent. And so we after about five days, we stopped the cough suppressant and continued to give her the lemon and honey. And praise the Lord, it has uh, pretty, it's pretty much gone. It's, she does cough occasionally in that same way, uh, but, it, but it, rather than do, coughing every night, of course, it would happen when she would go to bed. She would have this attack of, of, of coughs. And I've had something similar to this since being here in Uganda. I, I got this terrible cough where I would I'd be fine all day. I might cough occasionally throughout the day, but at night, as soon as I would go to bed, I would just have this onslaught of nonstop coughing. And the cough medicine that they gave her was the same medicine that they gave me. And it just seemed useless to me. Uh, but, but the, the honey, lemon and water really seemed to help coat her throat and, and really help her kind of help soothe her cough. And so we could, we have continued that and she's doing very well. So praise the Lord. Um, our children have had little to no um, health issues. Um, even that, I, I, I'm sure, is, is that is just it's minor compared to 
the things that could happen in Africa <laughs> to your children and to yourself for that matter. But praise God, they've had no, no health problems. It's been wonderful. It's been good. We thank God for that. Please pray that will continue. Those are my babies, and I would be devastated if something happened to them. So uh, please pray for them. Pray, pray their health will continue and uh, continue to be well and, and that we never have to deal with any health problems for our children whatsoever for as long as they live. <laughs> That'd be ideal, but uh, I'm afraid not realistic. So, uh, so that, that's something that took place with Bethany, um, I guess, also in September um, somebody had a birthday, uh, we, but we don't need to know who that is. Uh, October is Bethany's birthday. That's, that's more important. Um, now moving on to time related issues. Uh, Adrian is about five months old now, and I have been trying for months to get his passport. We have his Uganda birth certificate, but we do not have his U S birth certificate or social security card. And more importantly, passport. Um, the, the U S embassy here in Uganda, <laughs> it, it is, I, I, I don't know to what extent things have changed since I was overseas the last time. Um, I last lived overseas in 2013. That was in Afghanistan. So that really doesn't count because I was on a military base. But in 2012, I left Egypt. I, I lived in Egypt for uh, just over a year uh, lived in Saudi Arabia for about three and a half years. Uh, I had to do a lot of interaction with the U.S. embassies in those countries. Um, though I was working on military projects, I was a civilian. I was on my own. Um, the company I worked for did help if there were passport-related issues, but I had to go take care of it at the at the at the U, at the U.S. embassy in Egypt or in Saudi Arabia. And so, I, I never had any troubles with the with the embassies there. You know, you go in and. When you walk in, you're met by United States Marines. Um, there might be some local nationals working at the embassy, but you're going to see a decent mixture of U.S. personnel and local nationals or uh, primarily U.S. personnel in the U.S. embassy to help U.S. citizens living in that country, working in that country. That is not at all the case at the embassy here. Um, when you go in, you're met by Ugandan security not military, not police, just a security company that the U.S. Embassy has hired. I have never seen a United States Marine at the embassy in, in Kampala. I'm not saying they're not there, but you don't, as a U.S. citizen, I don't see them. They, I have never seen, I, in fact, the entire time I have, every time I have gone to the U.S. US Embassy in Kampala, I have only ever seen Uganda nationals. I have, I've seen one U.S. Uh, personnel, they had nothing to do with me. They were passing by. Um, as far as I could tell, it looked like they worked there. I guess I don't know that for sure. Uh, but other than that, we have only ever dealt with uh, what I presume to be Ugandans, you know, at least Africans. Um, I have no idea why that is. You can't just go to the embassy, which you could in Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Uh, there, was, there was a certain time of day you could go there and, and have your business taken care of. Here in Uganda, you have to make an appointment. There's no other option. And that's if an appointment is available. Um, and so you go online and you, and you look to see what dates are available and, and the time frame that they open up for taking care of U.S. citizens is very slim. Uh, it's quite pathetic the way this, this embassy operates. And so I have been looking for months 
for an appointment and there are not any. So I called the embassy and asked, you know, am I doing something wrong? I'm going online and I'm, I'm trying to make an appointment. And they said, oh, we're not taking appointments. <laughs> okay. Um, could I get a time frame on how long that's going to last? You know, what, what, what's, why is that? And, and the lady literally said, of course, it was not a U.S. citizen. It was, a, it was a, some African national. I, I presume she is probably Ugandan. I don't know that for sure. She said, well, that's just how it is. I was like, no, that's not an acceptable answer. I need to speak with someone who can actually help. And um, she said, well, there's nobody you can speak to. I said, okay, well, uh, this is not good. <laughs> so I, I, I emailed the embassy to try and get some help. Um, I did get a response. They re- replied and said, is this your son's first passport? which I thought would have been evident by the numerous times I mentioned this is a newborn child born in Uganda who needs a birth certificate, social security card, and passport. And they reply back with, is this his first passport? <laughs> um, so th- that's not a great vote of confidence in their ability. And, and, and so this is not going well. So I, I need you to pray about that. Um, you know, we we don't have plans to leave the country anytime soon. I spoke with the lawyer that we work with here in country. He said not to be concerned about uh, the lack of visas. You know, my myself, my wife, and my daughter are here on, I, I am here under an NGO visa. My wife and daughter are dependents on that NGO visa. And so um, you've got to have a visa, a proper visa to be in the country. And right now, Adrian doesn't have one. But fortunately for him, he is... Uh, he has the option if he would like, which he, he does not like, <laughs> um, he doesn't get to make that choice. I do, but he has the option of being a, a Ugandan citizen, um, uh, if we wanted to pursue that. Now we have no intention of pursuing that, uh, but it doesn't, but it does, uh, it, it does negate his requirement for certain visas and things like that in the country, uh, at least for now. So, with all that being said, we, we, this needs to be taken care of. Uh, Uganda is a volatile country. It, it is one of the more secure African countries, but that's in relationship to Africa. That can change quickly. And if we need to leave the country, um, he's got to have a passport. We can't, we're not leaving him behind. And I don't know what it would take for him to be able to leave without a passport, but this is a, this all poses a very, very real problem. So if you would please pray about that with us, we need to get that taken care of as soon as possible. And with that in mind, there's another Ebola outbreak. <laughs> so, uh, among the the many reasons you might have to leave a country like Uganda rapidly, Ebola is one of them. Now, to put it in perspective, um, in, Uganda's Ebola outbreaks are like their COVID-19 outbreak. It's, it's relatively non-existent. Um, you know, they, I think their, their worst Ebola outbreak was in around 2007, somewhere around there. And, and around 230 people died out of 45 million. Uh, now that's, you know, obviously any, any outbreak of disease is potentially dangerous. I mean, it's, it, it has the, has the potential to spread rapidly. And so uh, for whatever reason, it hasn't in Uganda. They've had four or five or six outbreaks overall of, of Ebola. And um, 
when I read back at the history of it all, they've all been pretty well, uh, pretty quickly maintained and contained. And um, so it, it's not something that we're overly nervous about. Of course, we want to be careful and, and um, you, it's, it is spread by bodily fluids, you know, blood, saliva, think, things of that sort. Uh, so, so other than coming in direct contact with someone's bodily fluids, it's, it's difficult to transmit. Uh, so we just try to be sure not to come into contact with people's bodily, <laughs> bodily fluids. Praise the Lord. So, um, as I mean, it's impossible. It, it, you could get it, you know, you know, it's just not, it doesn't spread rapidly unless you're involved in those things or, or come into contact with those things. Um, uh, but you know, of course a, a worse outbreak could be very problematic and could mean we need to leave the country so far. We're nowhere, nowhere near, not even close to that type of reality. Um, but you don't know when things could get out of control in a country like this, it could happen quickly and you may need to leave and, and go somewhere for safety. And right now, Adrian doesn't have that, that option, or it would be a very difficult thing to accomplish. I don't know what, what is required for someone to be able to, for a newborn, uh, you know, in that situation to be able to be able to uh, travel without the necessary documents, but uh, maybe something's in place, but I I don't know what that is. And I'm sure it's not going to be easy. So um, if you pray about both of these things, we don't want to see a larger Ebola outbreak anywhere. Uh, We certainly want to see that disappear quickly and be brought under control. And it does seem that Uganda's handling, handling it well. Um, it, It is, news and media make it sound far worse than it is. It's not as bad as they have made it sound, but we don't want it to become bad at all. And so if you would please pray about that, that it would continue to be contained and stay that way. And so we end the month with a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, It seems that each month between the door knocking that we do and the street preaching that we do here at Masak Independent Baptist Church, um, we have a goodly number of people who make professions of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, again, I, I always have to temper that with the fact that they don't all show up to church. They don't all show up for discipleship. They don't all even want you to follow up with them, which is the strangest thing. You have this wonderful conversation. They get saved. They trust in the Lord. And then you try to follow up with them, and they don't want anything to do with you. It's and it's happening church wide. I mean, if it was just me, I would understand, you know, it's maybe it's my brash personality. They're not so excited about, but, um, there are likable people in our church who lead people to the Lord <laughs> and, um, and they're struggling to, to get people to follow up. So anyways, the, the, the point is not to major on the, the negative aspect of it, but the positive aspect of it is we, we do get a, a, an inordinate number of professions of faith, which is encouraging at times. It's a blessing. And, um, uh, we had several throughout the month um, uh, from door knocking and from street preaching, but it just happened that Friday, uh, the 30th, was our last day out on the street. It's the last day of the month, and it just happened to be a Friday, and we were out at the market preaching. And um, this young lady approached me. I gave her a tract, and she stood right in front of me and read the entire tract, almost awkwardly. I was trying to pass tracts out around her and and uh, and also give my attention to her because she wasn't talking to me. She was just standing there reading the tract. I wanted her to know I was available if she wanted to talk, but at the same time, I, if she didn't want to talk, I didn't want to miss the people who are walking by with tracks. So, um, she looks at it for a few minutes and looks at me and says, I don't read Luganda. 
Okay. What about English? She said, I can read English. So I, I exchanged her track for an English one. And she read through the whole thing and she said, okay, I understand. I said, well, what do you understand? She said, I'm a sinner. I said, okay, well, what's going to happen to you when you die? And, and, and when I asked that question, it quickly became apparent that she could speak English, but maybe not well enough to have this conversation. And, um, and, and obviously by the fact that she could not read Luganda, she is not a Luganda speaker, which means she's not from the Southern region of Uganda. She is from another part of Uganda or another, another African country. And, uh, so I asked her, where are you from? And she said, Northern Uganda. Now that, and in the North, different part in, in different parts of Uganda, they all speak completely different tribal languages. There might be some similarities between them, but they are different enough that they can't understand each other. And, uh, and this is part of the difficulty of running a country like Uganda. You know, could you imagine being president of over people who, who in every region you go to speak a completely different language? Uh, you know, it, 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 it defies the ability to have unity in the country. And, um, and, there, and there have been some governmental problems. You know, they, their messaging about a national language has been uh, confused. Sometimes they want it to be Swahili. Sometimes they want it to be English. Now, in fact, it is in fact English, um, but they teach both English and their tribal languages in schools. It's expected that English will be used. And by the time you get to the university level, uh, I, I believe it's almost exclusively English. But growing up, they, they struggle to be able to communicate effectively because they're being taught both their the national language, which is English, and their tribal language, which is only good within their their tribal setting. Well, this lady had moved. She's no longer in her tribal setting. Now she's in the Buganda region of the country and doesn't speak any Luganda. But because, and because there's been such a, a, a mixed focus on are we going to speak English or are we going to speak our tribal language? In fact, I, I've read a couple of essays written by Ugandan men who call themselves intellectuals. And um, th this man wrote an entire essay about how the introduction of English has limited Ugandans' ability uh, to express themselves properly. And so they, they struggle to, to be able to uh, effectively express ideas and articulate ideas. And he's blaming this on English. And he says the solution is that they should go back to using exclusively their tribal languages. Well, which one? Everyone speaks a different tribal language. How's that going to help unify your country and help them be able to articulate ideas to each other when you don't even speak the same language? It, 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 it you know, it's, it is, it's problematic. Now, it probably, you know, honestly speaking, they probably should have adopted Swahili as the national language a long time ago, and it would have helped Uganda fit in more tightly with their, their neighbors and the East Africa community, because in East Africa, you speak Swahili or you speak English in order to, to participate in commerce. And um, most, uh, you know, Kenya speaks Swahili. That's the the primary language of 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 Kenya, though they 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 do use English. Same thing for Tanzania; it's primarily Swahili, and those are two massive economies. I mean, Tanzania—if you you get out a map and look at Tanzania—it's huge, and 
and Uganda does a, a lot of business with Kenya. That's, that's a, you know, a lot of their trade and shipping. It's massive coming from Kenya. And so this mixed messaging about the language really causes a lot of confusion. And, uh, and it makes it difficult to minister in a, com- a country like this. So we're now working on a Luganda Bible. Well, it's only going to be helpful primarily to the Luganda speaking people, which is the Buganda region, the southern, the southern region of Uganda. Um, once you go outside of that, it's, it's no good anymore. There, there, I, I can think of one region, maybe over towards Kalido. Um, I, I don't know the, the people and the language there, but it is very closely related to Luganda. Um, they, they can speak to each other with understanding. It's not exactly the same, but it's very close. So they may benefit. Um, there may be a few other tribal groups and languages that might benefit from, a, from an accurate Luganda Bible, but not many. You go to the north, now you got, you're in a completely different language, trying to help a completely different people. And uh, so this, anyways, this, this talk about the lack of unity brings us to this young lady who now needs someone to give her the gospel. Well, I don't speak her language. I could, I could go grab, you know, Brother Gross or Brother Nyanzi or, or Brother Waibi. Well, they all speak Luganda in English. None of them can help her. But there were two people who go out street preaching with us that I know of who are from the North. And, and I, I, I thought in my mind, if it, it might be that they could help her, they might either speak her language or speak one close enough that, that they could communicate. And, um, that's brother Quinto and sister Sarah. Uh, I looked around, I didn't see brother Quinto anywhere. And, uh, I knew miss Sarah was there. And so I walked around, I told the lady, I said, just wait right here. Give me one minute, wait right here. And she said, okay, no problem. So I, I went looking for Miss Sarah. I found her and I said, I have a lady here. Um, I think maybe you could communicate with her. Could you come talk to her and just see if you're from, uh, if your languages are closely related enough that you could communicate and praise the Lord. It turns out that that was the case. She was able to speak to her with no problem. And that was a blessing. Uh, so uh, I came over, introduced her. She said, I'll take it from here. And she took her and held up, Miss Sarah held up her sign and passed out tracks while witnessing to her. And the girl was very reasonable, understood she was a sinner and that God was going to punish that sin. And, uh, and praise the Lord. She made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ right there on the street corner. What a wonderful way to end the month. That's a tremendous blessing. And uh, Miss Sarah is pretty good at follow-up. She is a likable lady. <laughs> so um, maybe this young lady will, will jump in and get involved. I don't know how long she's staying in Masaka. She's staying here with some family, helping out. Um, hopefully she'll stay long-term and get plugged in in the church and be a faithful member of Masaka Independent Baptist Church. So you pray for her. Um, she told me her name, but it wouldn't help me and it wouldn't help you. Um, it is... Uh, some of the languages in the north, they are very complex and, and um, difficult. Uh, they're very interesting to hear the sound of the, 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 the way they pronounce words and say things. It's, it's very interesting. But her name means peace. So if you would please pray for Miss Peace that she'll get plugged in and be used to the fullest extent for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And that's all. That's um, in a nutshell. That's what's in our prayer letter. If you were to go and read that, that's what you would hear and learn and find. And um, and uh, I hope that's a help and a blessing to you. 
and I hope you'll continue to pray for our ministry. Those of you that support us, uh, we we can't tell you how much we thank you, how much we appreciate it. Your support and your prayer enable us to be able to be here and provide an accurate Bible for a desperate people, get the gospel of Christ to a desperate people, and teach the Bible to a desperate people. They need it badly. Everyone needs it all over the world, but we're able to be here and we're able to to have this ministry because of your faithfulness and because of your help. Thank you. And uh, we praise God for you and we thank you. Thank you for listening and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.